Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Life Rewired podcast. Thank you guys for joining us on this Sunday, April the 16th. Today, we've got a fellow former athlete, um, Dan Baird, who is now co-owner of NADS. And we're really excited to have Dan on the podcast. He's, you know, had a extensive background, you know, in the health and fitness space. He's a former athlete, just like myself, and, and now, you know, turned entrepreneur. And we're just really excited for him to tell a little bit about his story, his brand, um, and really how he's, you know, kind of fought through his own, you know, entrepreneurial journey and, you know, his experiences with health and fitness that I know so many of you out there are going to be able to relate to. But before we begin, this podcast is brought to you by Nash Nutrition. The Nash Bar is made with simple and nourishing ingredients, 20 grams of protein, and is naturally sweetened with honey and dates. And what a lot of people don't realize is that most of the, you know, so-called healthy protein bars that we find on the market are in fact heavily processed with fillers and unnatural ingredients. And we know that if we consume too much of this processed food too often, it can eventually lead to long-term health issues. And so this is why we love the Nash bars. We actually just literally got a shipment in today right before we hopped on this podcast. And like every single time we get these monthly shipments, Chris and I always have to open one up and just take a bite and just like taste the freshness. Cause literally every single time, um, you know, Chad and Hannah do such a phenomenal job of making sure that every single one of these packaged sets of bars are truly fresh and hand and hand prepared. And, and you can definitely tell um, with the quality every single time. And so, you know, we never even have to think twice about the ingredients and they truly are the good for you protein bar. So make sure you guys check the show notes after today's episode, head to the website um, for their next launch and get yourself a box of bars to try. So on to today's episode. This is episode number 81, interview with Dan Baird from NADS. Welcome, Dan. Hello, guys. Thank you for having me on here. I'm super excited to be here in a chat and I just wanted to say that I'm really grateful for it. Absolutely, brother. We're excited to have you, man. And so we're going to definitely be diving into some good questions here with Dan, guys. And so first and foremost, we really just wanted to get kind of his background, really going back to the very beginning, kind of his whole trajectory of where he started and ultimately where he's at now, you know, both personally and professionally. So Dan, we'll kind of, you know, hand this thing over to you, man. And we're excited for you to dive into a little bit about your own story. Sure. Absolutely. Great question. So a little bit of background about me. I grew up in Wilton, Connecticut, up in the, uh, the tri-state area, the Northeast. Uh, I grew up with kind of a big family. I had two sisters and an older brother, and both my parents are still in the picture. And my mom was one of seven, so there was actually 22 cousins, so 22 total grandchildren. So we had a pretty big wow. family. Yeah, and everyone was pretty local. So everyone was around. Everyone was super active. You know, sports were a very big part of the family for quite literally as long as I can remember. Um, you know, I grew up playing lacrosse, football, did a little rec basketball. That was never really something I got too much into. And then luckily, uh, lucky for our family, we were able to be fortunate enough to go up to Vermont on the weekends and I was super into skiing and snowboarding for my whole life. So it was pretty much a year round. It's kind of a year round thing, right? Like summer lacrosse every summer, fall lacrosse and football, and then we had winter skiing and snowboarding and then spring obviously came around and we had lacrosse. So for as long as I can remember, sports have been just such a pivotal part of my life. Um, and then even when we weren't actually in season with sports, with that big extended family of mine, we were always just on the go with sports and activities. And a couple of us are a little bit more into the extreme sports side of things, which obviously resulted in some injuries and such, but we were kind of just always craving it. So that was where I grew up. Uh, I ended up going to University of Connecticut. And sports for me were kind of always the big thing. I played club lacrosse in college. I just decided, uh, you know, throughout high school, I wanted to go and play lacrosse in college, but I didn't end up pursuing it. I ended up going to University of Connecticut, playing club ball. I uh, still was super competitive, but it wasn't as serious, not as much of a commitment. But I thought that club lacrosse, as we got into it, I kind of thought it was going to be kind of like a beer league. I thought it was going to be more of like a joke. And it was really, really serious. So I kind of felt like we actually had the experience of still having real commitment to a sport and to a team, which I really craved, you know, the competitive edge, actually having games where they mattered, really needed to be accountable to a team. Uh, and I still got the experience of a big college, right? So I love that place. That was awesome. But transparently, college, high school, just school for me overall was never really that important. I loved the social experience around it. And that was super pivotal to my development. But I would say that the education portion of it was just something that never really took for me. I was a very average student. I kind of did the bare minimum. And that was, I can relate. Yeah. You know, I was just trying to get by. Uh, and it was funny because there was a couple of classes that were kind of oddball classes that I would go in and just get A pluses and everything. And they, everyone was like, how are you doing that? I just, I care about that class. 
I don't care about these other classes, so I'm just going to get by in those. And they were like literature classes, Shakespeare, um, just like kind of outside the box things you'd never think I'd like. But I loved those. And that was kind of like the fun part of school for me. But the socialization element of it was awesome. But just like the education portion of it really never stuck. But then there's obviously those handful of classes that were really impactful, you know, like in college. And I was a communication major and all of those classes had a lot of overlap. I chose communication not to knock it for anybody listening out there, but it was just my fastest way out. Mm-hmm. I wanted to make sure I was in college for four years and no more than that. And communication just lined up perfectly and all the classes kind of were the same content and every class just reformatted. So it was pretty simple, but uh, great education at University of Connecticut. It's a great place. I made a ton of great friends, had a great experience. And then after that, I kind of came out of college and I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I was kind of a little bit aimless. So I took a job working for a mortgage company and I was doing mortgage sales and I kind of laugh about it now. It was an awesome company, really great culture. It just was so not a fit for me. And I mm-hmm. found out pretty fast. So I kind of thought, I'm doing this. I'm getting in here. I'm punching and I'm punching out. I am 22 years old and I don't really know why I'm here. I don't seem to actually engage with the work. And I started to really question it. And one of those things about me is that <laughs> probably to a fault, but I kind of question everything and I really push back against anything that I'm just not 100% certain about, uh, and I can't pour my soul into something, then I don't really think it's worth my time. So it's kind of that whole entrepreneurial spirit. But uh, I ended up pushing out of that pretty fast after a couple months because I took that job just to have a job out of college. And I wanted to try and get some people off of my back at the time and uh, quickly learned it wasn't for me. So I ended up, I wanted to pursue a career in the military right after that. I have the utmost respect and admiration for the men and women in the armed forces, and I always have. And I kind of always thought that would be a good fit for me. So I remember I was about, I think I had three or four more days left before I was actually going to sign my naval enlist papers with the New Haven recruiter in Connecticut. And I had already told my family I was going to go and do this. What I wanted to do was go out and try and get a Navy SEAL contract. I had two friends from my hometown who were actively doing that, and I just thought it was the coolest thing ever. And I was like, that is exactly what I want to be doing. So I started training for that. I started prepping. I had the dates down for when I was going to sign my enlist papers. I told my family, broke the news to them. That was tough. They understood, but obviously that's hard. And then I got a text from my Uncle Michael. And my Uncle Michael was the uncle out of my mom's seven total kids in that family. Uh, He was the entrepreneur of the bunch. He had moved to North Carolina and then at the time had just moved down to South Florida. And he said, Hey Dan, I'm in town. would love to get together and talk to you about a couple of things. I just want to tell you what I got going on in the world of business and see if it's of any interest to you. And to be honest with you guys, I didn't want to give him the time of day. Mm-hmm. I just thought if there's anything pulling me off of this path of which I'm headed, it's just going to cause more confusion and it's just going to kind of get in my way. I love my uncle Michael. So I said, yep, I'll get together with you. Uh, But I was kind of still steadfast in my approach. So I got together with him. And I remember, I think I wore a shirt and tie to it. And looking back on it, like that's one of the funniest things in the world to me because they're him and his business partner, John, are very casual guys and they're entrepreneurs. And uh, we don't wear shirt and ties. But (laughs) I got there and they were like, what the heck are you wearing? But uh, I hadn't seen them in a while. I hadn't seen John in a long time. And I hadn't seen my Uncle Mike in uh, a lesser long time, but still a while. And we sat down. My Uncle Michael had a propane company and he had just started a printing business. So I had a list of notes on this journal all about the propane company. I thought that's what I was going to be talking to him about. So I thought I was going to be kind of interviewed to be a propane salesman. And that was not the case at all. I had like maybe two questions about the printing company and it was all about the printing company. So he had started this company. It's called Purple Frog Graphics. They were in the very, very infancy stages and they started the company because they needed stickers for their propane tanks for that business. Mm -hmm. And at the time, the sticker supplier that they were buying from, the decal supplier, uh, their their decals weren't getting the job done. So I remember my Uncle Michael told me, he said, you know, I pushed back on this guy and I said, you know, these are falling off. The quality's not there. What's the deal? He goes, if you think you can do it better, just do it yourself. So my Uncle Michael, being the guy he is, like, yeah, okay, I'm going to do that. (laughs) So he went out, bought a printer and started printing decals for their, their equipment. And then they realized, hey, there's a business opportunity here to run synergistically with what we already have going. And then they started a print company called Purple Frog Graphics. And they were selling decals and banners to propane businesses across the country. They were plugged into that network and it just kind of worked perfectly. So he told me about that at that meeting. 
And flash forward to the end of the conversation, we're having a really stimulating, engaging chat about, you know, branding, marketing, print and promotional stuff, things I really had no experience with. I said, you know what, Mike, I will come down to Florida with you. I will come down for a couple of days. I'll put a pin in me signing the paper. And just, again, transparently, I was like, I'm going to get a free trip to Florida out of this. Mm-hmm. This sounds great. I haven't been to Florida in a long time. So I went down to Florida. I checked out the business. I told the naval enlist, uh, the recruitment agent that I am going to be back in a week and I'll come see him then. I ended up totally course correcting because of that. I went down there and about 24 or 48 hours in, I just kind of fell in love with the business, the entrepreneurial aspect of it, the problem solving, the vast unknown, which was the industry, the technicalities of the space, business in, like in, in its entirety. And I quickly realized that my Uncle Michael is just an incredible mentor. Mm-hmm. So flash forward to now, I've been in South Florida for five years, almost five years. And I worked with that company, Purple Frog Graphics, from the very infancy stages where we had three or four people couple print machines and one or two product offerings. We grew that business to about 13 to 15 people, two locations on the East Coast, uh, and we became a full-service print and promotional branding agency. And that was kind of the entrepreneurial treadmill that I was on, like really training and learning everything. And, you know, God bless my Uncle Michael because I had to learn through some really expensive mistakes on company dime and that was his business and he kind of had to sit back and let me make those mistakes because if you don't make those mistakes you won't actually learn from them right so Mm -hmm. flash forward to now i was with that business for a total of four years i had some other experiences throughout it you know i did a little stint trying to become a real estate agent didn't end up fully pursuing that i impulsively moved out to california in the middle of the pandemic and did residential solar sales with my now business partner that wasn't a good fit for me either. I came back, was still with Purple Frog throughout the whole thing, was kind of lo- working a little bit more remotely. Uh, and then last September, I believe, I said I need to close the chapter out with Purple Frog Graphics and figure out what it is I think that I want to do as Dan and really kind of take the training wheels off and go for it. So that's kind of when Nads came into the picture. Absolutely, <laughs> dude. No, I love that, Dan. And I think your dude, your whole story, and that's what stood out to me when we first spoke was like, just hearing your story of your entrepreneurial journey, the lessons you've learned, these principles that you've learned, like all of these things like are the reason you're the way you are now. And I think that that's so important, like for people to realize is like sometimes we see the adversity, we see the mistakes, we see, you know, this other career path or this other, you know, potential career path as like negative things when in reality, it's just all part of the story. Like you guys are hearing, you know, Dan's story firsthand. Like if he doesn't, you know, not go to the Naval Academy, if he doesn't work, you know, in in print and advertising, like all of those things were learning experiences and they weren't negative things. They weren't bad things. Like even if it might not necessarily have been the thing that you're doing now, you know, it's all part of that bigger picture. And so you just said something there that really, you know, stood out to me um, as we were talking through all that. And that's to always question things, to always be questioning the things that we're doing, especially, I feel like that's something that we have as as entrepreneurs. And that's something that really just resonates with me because I feel like, you know, I am constantly questioning things and asking why and like really picking at the why. And so, you know, how important and how crucial has that been? Like that aspect of questioning things and, and asking why, how important do you think that has been across your whole trajectory? So I think it's probably been one of the most important things in my entire life. Right. And I've always had it and I've always questioned why I've had it ironically mm-hmm. right it's like well yeah. why am I even this way why can't I let things mm-hmm. be yeah <laughs> and like that just kind of echoes. I can relate yeah yeah there's so many similarities between you two and I wonder if it's like the former athlete background of like questioning things and like pushing through those mistakes and just like having that mentality right it's kind of just the, the refusal to accept something if you mm-hmm. think it could be maybe a little bit better or more suited to the individual Right. And sometimes it can get you into some hot water, but uh, (laughs) ultimately those negative situations that come from it end up being massive positives, just like you mentioned. Right. So I think it's been super important and it kind of started from such an early age. I going back into really like that intrinsic thought process that I have and just the constant, like, I don't want to call it being in your own head, but constantly just being very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Thoughtful, like really thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Like introspective. Right. So just really, really trying to think through the process of why things have happened. That's taken a totally new shape as I've gotten a little bit older. But 
when I was, I think, 11 years old or 12 years old. I So I came from, you know, luckily a, for, a fortunate situation where both my parents worked. Um, they were both in commercial and residential real estate, and they were able to provide for our family. We were very fortunate. And I still wanted to grind and work from age 11, right? It was like I wanted to earn for myself. And I looked at that at the time as nothing other than like what I did was I printed out on, on Word Art, Microsoft Word Art. I printed out these flyers just out of a regular printer in my house and it was like uh, – do you need help with your gardening? And that was in like big block letters. <laughs> it was like local boy on Pine Ridge Road wants to help with weeding, um, watering plants, all this stuff. And I think I had maybe 40 of them. I think there was about 40 houses on my street. I put a little flyer in every single mailbox, including my cousins who lived down the road. And oh my gosh. Yeah, and I got one customer from it. I got one repeat customer too. So I had one customer and they were on the far side of the road. They were probably... I don't know, 80, 85. And they sure enough called the number, the house phone. It was like, my brother was like, Dan, you got a call? It's the uh, X family from, from X Pine Ridge Road. I was like, oh, really? Awesome. And <laughs> yeah, so I hopped on the phone, set up an appointment. I went down there. I think I was charging, I don't know, $12 an hour or something like that. And I would go there and I would work for two hours and I would make $24 and they would pay me $30 and I would get to keep the six extra dollars and I would do it every week, right? And I would go and I'd pull weeds, I'd help her with gardening, mulching, all that stuff, cleaning the pool. They'd bring me in. She'd pull her little like old cookie tin out and pull her cash out of it and give it to me. And I just thought it was the coolest thing in the world. It's like, okay, I just traded two hours of my time. I got to Mm -hmm. communicate with these people who have just worldly experience Right. And that's more me now looking at it. At the time, I was just a 12 year old kid, not really thinking about that part. But oh, yeah. uh, I learned from them and I learned from that experience. And looking back at it, that was the kickstart of the entrepreneurial journey. From that moment forward, being able to go and actually put time into earning, it put an importance on that for me. Mm-hmm. Right. So from there forward, I just kind of questioned why there were so many people in Fairfield County, particularly, who weren't doing that, right? Who weren't going out and working, who weren't going out and although we had a good situation of being in an affluent area, why weren't you still grinding on something where you can earn yourself? It's kind of just that extreme ownership mentality and I developed that from such a young age and that's always progressed over time. But the odd jobs from there just never stopped, right? I've worked as a dishwasher in the back of a grocery store uh, for a couple of years. That was one of my favorites. I have worked as a food runner, a busser, a server, bar back. In college, I had uh, an extra 25 pounds on me, and I was a bouncer at one of the main bars at UConn. Uh, that was a fun one. Uh, I worked as a more. I saw some interesting stuff doing uh, that. Oh, man, that's a whole other conversation. That's a different life. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, that was you know one of those things. Like That's a really good experience to go through because, sure, it's just a bouncer, and there's a lot of the physical element of that too, but there's also the mental game around it. You've got to realize mm-hmm. why people are starting problems. You've got to realize why people want to fight. And most of the time when they're alcohol-fueled and you're sober working – you have to think about the best way to diffuse a situation that doesn't just require, you know, that I'm going to just overpower you, right? Like right. there's legality matters at hand. There's business a situation going on, right? You've got to do things very tactfully and very strategically. And that last mm-hmm. resort is just, you know, the athlete kind of comes out, right? So For sure. that's all part of it. But there's just been like this host of odd jobs I've had that have led to that kind of formation of who I am now. And all of those things have been super important. But it all comes back to that questioning why things are the way they are. And that takes its whole, whole other kind of life and itself in the uh, health and wellness world. But we won't get into that just yet. But we will eventually. I'm sure we will. Uh, one thing I wanted to bring up was um, you mentioned how your uncle is like a huge mentor for you because he had that entrepreneurial spirit in him too. Yep. Um, and we always talk about how we feel like when we first started our businesses, we kind of felt like aliens, like not many of our friends, like our age were doing their own businesses and, you know, doing things in the way that we were and like questioning things. Like you mentioned, like the corporate life or like this job doesn't really feel like it's for me. Do you feel like you were the only one of your like friend group or like people you knew of your age, obviously until you met your business partner that had that entrepreneurial spirit and did it make you feel like kind of weird, I guess you could say, or like, did it build your confidence to know like you were different? Yeah. So I, I've known I was kind of outside the box since I was really young. And I didn't embrace it or accept it until probably a little too late, right? Like later, not, there's nothing, no such thing as too late, but I probably should have embraced it and accepted it earlier on. But a perfect example of that is I came from a baseball family and baseball was just the thing, right? We grew up playing baseball. Everybody played baseball. All 22 grandkids, all of them 
had some sort of baseball, right? Whether, uh, okay, all of the, the guys in the family had baseball backgrounds. And I remember fifth grade came around and I was in Wilton, Connecticut, suburb of New York City. Lacrosse was the thing to do. And I was still playing baseball. Mm-hmm. You know, we were doing the district thing. We were all-star teams, all this good stuff. And I was seemingly a good baseball player. I wasn't excellent, but I was fine. And I remember my dad asked me a question. He said, do you want to try lacrosse? I think I do. Just like that. I was like, yeah, why not? Let's go out and do it. We were young enough to be able to do baseball and lacrosse. Quickly played lacrosse and just immediately was like, yeah, this is it. So I shifted really late. Most of the kids in my town started playing lacrosse in second, first grade. And I switched over in fifth grade. And it was a much like my fifth grade year – uh, I just wasn't good, right? Like I could be an athlete on the field, but like the actual fluent motions of catching, cradling and throwing, it was all foreign to me and I didn't understand the game at all. And I just set out to pick it up, right? It was one of those things where it was new. I was like, okay, I'm going to go master this now. So then lacrosse became my thing. I said, see you later, baseball. And then it was kind of just like, I'm the only one in the family doing that. And that was my thing. Mm-hmm. So like that was the start of me realizing I was a little bit outside the box. And that was something as simple as playing a different sport than everybody else. All of my friends, well, most of my best friends at the time played baseball. And then I started to become really good friends with all of the lacrosse players. And that kind of ended up being like my core group of guys. But that was the start of it. In my family and in my friend group, I think I can count the actual entrepreneurs on one hand. And they are the ones who have inspired me the most, right? So my Uncle Michael is obviously number one in terms of that. He took me in under his wing and coached me and taught me. 98% of what I know about this. And the only reason that I'm feeling capable to actually take on this new business venture is because of what I've learned through his direct tutelage. And then I have some other friends from home who, uh, one of my friends, Courtney, she started a company called Nori. If you haven't seen the product, it's incredible. She developed what looks like a hair straightener, but it's essentially two iron heads on it. So she started the company because she was uh, like not steaming, but ironing her clothing with her hair straightener. So she made an actual product. I've done that before too. I'm so glad you brought this up because I need this in my life. Yeah, so you got to check it out. So I saw her entrepreneurial story and I saw what she was doing and specifically in the direct-to-consumer space with online e-commerce business. And when I saw that, it just kind of totally reworked the framework for me. I thought, that's a girl I grew up with, who I was friends with, who is an incredible person. And I, I thought that she, I never thought she would have been an entrepreneur. I never thought anyone I knew would have been an entrepreneur. I just kind of thought entrepreneurs weren't from, from our crew, right? From our circle. I just thought it was like this far-fetched thing. It was this romanticized like idea. And then I realized entrepreneurs are everyday people. And seeing Courtney do that really lit the fire for me, just thinking, okay, we came up in the same spot, same circle, and she's crushing it right now. So I just thought, why not me? Right? So that kind of really started the gears turning in my head. Um, and she's served as, you know, another mentor for me and an advisor and a good friend. And I wish her all the success. And she's been really instrumental in helping Nads to get going. But she really was kind of that over the ledge push that I needed by seeing her do this. Right? It was like, okay, she's doing this. She's crushing it. I got to figure out if I can do this. Yeah, and I love that, dude, because it, it, that really is – it does mimic a lot of our own entrepreneurial experience. And I think that the listeners out there, like if you are someone that is like wanting to take that entrepreneurial leap, you know, it is so important to have those like role models and those mo- and those models in general in your life. Because I know that was like – we've talked about this on the podcast a bunch, but that's kind of what Christina was for me, like seeing what was possible in the personal training space right. when I was looking to make that transition. And it's like, I didn't even know, you know, certain, you know, ways of doing this was even possible until I saw her do it until I saw, you know, other people doing it in the way that we are now. And I think that it's just so cool that you touch on that story and the importance of like having someone that you can look up to and see who has done it. And it gives you the confidence where it's like, okay, I know this individual, I know they're very capable and they've, you know, kind of been there, done that and they're doing it. You know, I can too. And I think that that's just very inspiring, especially like for the listeners out there, you know, like Dan said, it's just, you know, we're everyday people, us entrepreneurs, we're everyday people out here, you know, solving problems for, for other individuals. And I think that, you know, when we can really start to see it through that lens, we then kind of break that wall of intimidation. And we understand that, like, we really can do what we whatever we set our minds to with the right plan, with the right process, and with that 1% better each day mentality, you know, there's a whole lot of shit we can accomplish. Oh, yeah. Um, 
I think that's awesome that you touch on that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's very cool because we can be like in this episode, like that person, if they don't have someone in their life, that's like their Courtney or their Christina, um, where we can be that inspiration for them to show them like we came from similar backgrounds or, and look at us now, you know, it's mm-hmm. possible. And another piece that I think we can relate to big time is like getting over these, like, I guess you could call them speed bumps. Like you said, you made mistakes throughout the process of like joining your uncle's company and like moving out to California and you figured out what wasn't for you and what was for you. And that obviously led you to meet your business partner, like you mentioned. So like that journey, whether there was like speed bumps or, you know, you got to a fork in the road and it maybe wasn't the right path for you. You met the people and you learned the lessons you needed to, to create NAD. So I definitely want to hear what inspired you guys and like how you and your business partner kind of got together to create the business. Yeah, actually. So that's funny. So we actually grew up together, him and I. Uh, we were buddies since I think fourth or fifth grade. He was one of those lacrosse kids I told, I just mentioned. And we quickly just became like best pals and we grew up together. And then in high school, he moved away and we kind of lost touch a little bit throughout high school. And then we pretty much totally lost touch in college. It was like the, we would see each other on social media and whatnot, but him and I were like thickest thieves growing up, absolute best buddies. And then college happens and you know, life happens. And then senior year came around. And we, I got a text from one of my other friends from high school. He said, we're going up to visit Steve, my business partner at UVM, University of Vermont, where he is. We're going to ski. You know, it's, it's winter break now. We've got time. I said, all right, cool. You guys stop at exit 68 off of uh, 84 in Connecticut. I will take half the crew in my car and I'm coming with. Right? So we had a full crew going up to visit him. And I hadn't seen him in a long time. And we picked up right where we left off, just right away. And at the time we were, you know, crazy college kids. So we were doing a lot of stuff that we don't do anymore, but we went out, we did what we love to do most, which was skiing and snowboarding. And we just caught up and just had a blast. And from there we kind of just didn't lose touch like that again. It was a little bit more of one of those situations. Now it's like, well, we're not talking every day, but we are, when we are talking, it's, you just pick right back up with no hard feelings. Life goes on. And then you guys meet in the middle. Life goes on, you meet in the middle. Life goes on, you meet in the middle. Eventually uh, pandemic comes around. I remember I'm sitting on a beach chair outside of my garage getting some sun at the end of the day. And I was like, I want to call Steve. I haven't talked to him in a while. I'm going to see what's going on. And I call him and he tells me about what he's doing in California. He's selling residential solar and he is crushing it out there. And I just immediately was like, okay, that's interesting. Started to kind of have some real estate in my head. The wheel started to turn on it. We continue to have conversation about it. At the time, I wasn't fully in love with what I was doing, working from home with Purple Frog, took a totally different shape for the business. Um, So I ended up becoming fully remote in sales for Purple Frog and going out to California to link up with Steve and to learn that business. So those four months out in California doing door-to-door sales in the 110 degree heat in the heart of the pandemic in (laughs) in, in Orange County, California, were like getting a master's, right? It was like a crash course in business and in sales and in what we like to call, you know, excuse my language, but eating shit. And that was just like learning how to really be told no in all sorts of ways. So just developing that thick skin. And that is so, so pivotal as an entrepreneur. And that was one of the most important things to have gone through, even in that short period of time, even if the revenue, like the earning potential was awesome, which it was, that's a very lucrative business. And there's a lot of people, young guys, particularly who are grinders who have tons of success in that field. I just found that it wasn't for me. One of those things where you've got to try things to learn what is and what isn't for you. And that was one of those. But Steve and I from there just immediately realized that we clicked on personal, professional, business, mindset, everything. Having then spent four months living in the same apartment. Because I went out there, I crashed on his couch for a month and they upgraded the apartment and I was had a little like office den room where I was living. But we were together all the time and I was learning from him and the experience. And then we kind of just realized, hey, we're, we're best pals. So we started thinking about other things. We always realized we wanted to get into business together of some form. We realized that individually we both wanted to get into our own businesses. Then we realized, hey, we could probably do something together. So we had ideas throughout the course of the next, I think it was two years. So it was like two years after the California stint. He stayed out there. I came back to Florida, doubled back into Purple Frog pretty hard. And he still was doing solar and we were just going back and forth. We'd link up. He'd come to Florida. We'd link up up in the Northeast in Boston and we would still kind of just get the wheels turning. But we didn't have anything that was actually actionable. So eventually the NADS idea popped in my head and I knew he was in line with the same health and holistic approach to things. So I texted him about this. 
We talked a little bit about it, linked up with him in Boston, and I asked him about it, and I remember exactly what he said. I said, Steve, have you thought more about – we were walking up the hill to go overlook the city and watch the sunset with my sister, her husband, and a couple of our other friends. And we were behind the whole group, and I was like, have you thought about that that underwear concept I asked you about? He says, yeah, I have actually. It's, it's taken up a lot of real estate in my head. It's the only one that's actually staying up there. I was like, hmm. Interesting. So over the course of the next two weeks, I just put things behind the scenes in motion to actually go after it. So yeah, it was kind of like behind the scenes. I quickly just started to think about what it would look like. And then from there, the dominoes started to fall in. And that was kind of the origin. But Steve and I have a great working and personal relationship. We're best pals and business partners. And you know the conflict resolution, if it ever happens, is I'm sure, Zach, you could probably appreciate this. Whenever there's an issue, head-to-head, we're talking it through. We're not going to fix. We're not going to move forward until we fix it, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's the only way. Absolutely. There's no resentment that comes from that. There's no assumptions made, and that's just a fast way to get to a solution. And him and I are both stubborn, right? So sometimes that takes a little bit of time. But as we develop this business and continue to kind of put the uh, runway underneath us, we're building it with the right foundation. We think. Absolutely, dude. Yeah, and can you explain? Uh, I love the holistic approach behind the whole business. Can you explain um, to listeners who may not know what NADS is? Yeah, let's dive yeah. in. What um, is NADS? Yeah, and like what inspired it? Because when Zach told me your story, I was like, I appreciate that so much because like for women, our hormones are just like affected by so much that we put on our body or in our body. So I'm like so invested in this like area of health and wellness that I don't think enough people talk about. Right. So get into the nitty gritty. Sure. So the whole story, here we go. It was 20, I think 2019 at the time. Uh, I was 23 and I was living in sunny South Florida, as I've now mentioned. I was, you know, candidly making just south of six figures a year. I had a great apartment. I had a home gym. I had an awesome girlfriend at the time. I lived with my brother and my cousin, my best friends. I, you know, I had a great job. Life was just seemingly great right? Everything was as it should be, as I like to say, should be in quotes. But, you know, I was in shape. I was working hard. I was seemingly doing all of the right things that would lead to what I like to call the ideal life for a young man and, or at least for me as a young man. And it wasn't adding up, right? So the problem was, is I would wake up and like the moment I woke up, I was waking up tired. And you know what that feels like when you don't get a full, like you, you get six to eight hours of sleep, but you're not actually resting. You're not getting the restorative sleep you need. So I was in that cycle and I was just getting through my day with these like energy spikes and highs and lows. And I would get to that 530. I was living for that 530 moment where I would just lay down. The sun would be coming perfectly through the window and I would lay down on my bed and I would just let myself go and I would take a nap at 530 p.m. as a 23-year-old individual. And I finally, I normalized that and I just allowed that to become a thing. And that was kind of a big red flag, right? Why am I 23 years old? Why do I need a nap at 5.30 p.m.? Why am I waking up tired? Why is my energy all over the place? Why am I having breakouts on my chest and my face when I'm seemingly doing all the right things? So that kind of comes back into that whole thing of questioning and pushing back, right? So it got to a point where I think I missed a meeting or like an important sales call one day because I was so tired and I just like fell asleep. And that day I remember I was like, okay, I need to find some answers. I need to see what's going on. I would have enough energy to work out, but it was like I had an adrenaline spike right before I would lift, right before I would train. And then afterwards I was right back. So I could rally and then I would crash. But most of the time I was existing in just like this perpetual state of gray and the world around me was shining on in just vivid color. And I was just Mm -hmm. kind of sitting there and just like status quo going ever so slightly forward. And that wasn't enough for me. And I pushed back against it. I realized that the typical doctors I was seeing weren't giving me answers. I realized I was doing things that may have been detrimental to my health that I was that are labeled as healthy. And I got in touch with a functional medicine practitioner and I did a full set of comprehensive labs. I did a food allergy sensitivity test. And from there, it just kind of opened Pandora's box. And I just really dove into health. What kind of my entire life was fitness and workout and training and sport-based then became all-encompassing health-based, right? So back in the day, it was about being fit and being in shape. Now it's entirely about health, right? It's about optimizing and improving day in and day out. Like you mentioned, getting 1% better. And from there, I really started to question everything else, right? So I started to switch out the soaps that I was using. I started to switch out um, personal care products, deodorants, shampoos, household cleaning things, 
uh, furniture type stuff, bedding, towels, all these things that I started to realize had high levels of toxicity and chemicals that most people don't realize are in them, right? So just they've become so normalized that you don't even think to question them, right? So I was always eating relatively clean. That was never really an issue for me. Um, but there was always room to get better on that. So I started to get better on that. But when the blood work came back, the one thing that really stood out to me was I was 23 and my testosterone number came back way lower than I had anticipated it to. And it wasn't category, like catastrophically low by any means, but it wasn't optimal, right? And I strive to be optimal. Mm-hmm. So I set out on a mission to try and optimize that. And through optimizing that, everything else tried to be optimized as well. So it's kind of a synergistic approach there. But fast forward to, I think, beginning of last year, started to think about clothing. And I started to think specifically about compression shorts that I'm wearing to the gym every day for 90 minutes and getting quite sweaty in them, right? So I started to think about what that material was made of. And I realized that polyester is a plastic-based fabric that's derived from petroleum. And, you know, part of our marketing push with NADS, if you can't tell from the name, is it's kind of humorous, right? So I thought, why am I putting that on my NADS every day? I'm... (laughs) Like I'm putting those down there and I'm getting really, really sweaty and that just cannot be good for reproductive health. So I started to look into that really, really deep and I started to see that I wasn't alone with how I was at the time. So I was optimizing testosterone. Things were looking up from a host of different ways from other changes I had made. But for the sake of conversation, I won't dive into just those uh, just yet. But the whole issue of reproductive health across men of all ages, but, but particularly young men, is really, really widespread right now. So infertility rates are at all-time highs. Testosterone is the lowest it's ever been. I think it's down 50% in the last 45 years. Uh, erectile dysfunction rates are through the roof. Testicular cancer, skin, eczema, all these problems of rashes down there. Like These are issues that men are facing, and they're not talking about it as much because we're men and you know, there's a stigma around it. Sure. That's a whole different issue, but ultimately testosterone is involved in so much more than just libido and muscles and muscle and strength building and all that machismo that I call it. It's involved at such a high cellular level for men and for women. But in our case, let's just talk about men. So I realized that men have the reproductive parts on the outside of their body. So what are we exposing our parts to day in and day out? We know that if we're switching on our deodorant, it's because the deodorant's absorbing through our skin. We can absorb things through the skin. So I thought, okay, I got to find some organic underwear for myself. I got to find underwear that is free of the toxins and the pesticides that cotton is grown with. I've got to find underwear that is free of, you know, entirely synthetic material and just figure out what's the cleanest underwear I can wear. I'm going to start there. So after about a week of research, I couldn't really find a great option. And I, I realized that there wasn't anybody targeting me on Instagram. And after that week of me doing like diligent research online and talking about it out loud, there was still a hole in the market because no one was finding me. With the tech, with you know the, the algorithm being what it is, they should have found me. With that being the case, and I realized like I would talk about like I need new training shorts, and like three days later, sure enough, ten thousand is popping up on my on my feed, and I'm buying ten thousand shorts. Or like I need a new muscle device to like, massage my back, and next thing you know, I own a hypervolt. But it's just like that. And so I realized that there was a hole in the market because of that. And then that kind of started the wheel turning. So I thought if I have this, this need, there's got to be other, people's that, other people that have this need as well. So then it kind of took a different shape and the marketing and business brain started to really turn on and specifically the branding brain. I thought, hey, there's a bunch of companies out there that are advocating for sustainability and pro-earth and that's incredible. That's amazing. But there's not a lot of companies that are marketing for pro-health. And there's definitely not a lot of companies that are doing it in a memorable, funny, and catchy way. And I thought about, you know, Dr. Squatch. I thought about Manscaped. I thought about even Old Spice and their memorable branding and their memorable commercials. I was like, okay, that's interesting. (laughs) So then I was going to call the company Buddies, right? And it's going to be like, protect your buddies with buddies. But Buddies (laughs) was used in all sorts of different ways across the apparel space. So that would have been a legal nightmare. And like, luckily, because NADS, we ended up coming up with NADS and NADS was, you know, as far as we know, available. And uh, we are working on the legality behind that, but that's a different story. But uh, we went with NADS and we decided that we wanted to go with a 
confident, like a quiet, confident, but humorous and edgy angle with a masculine approach to making organic cool, right? Mm-hmm. So you guys nailed it on the head. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. It's been a, there's been a lot of iterations. It's been a, a fun journey, but we kind of had the idea, I would say, in August of last year. And then we put pedal to the metal in September. We incorporated. We had a bunch of road bumps along the way. And we kind of really got started in February of this year. And we are trending north right now and we're growing at a nice rate. It's been really exciting and really fun. But that's kind of the background there. So it's, it started with the desire to optimize the testosterone number and then it kind of took its entire different course of realizing hey there's a lot of toxins in everyday items why don't we take underwear off the table why don't we take something as common as you know the first thing you put on when you get out of the shower right if you can just you know i say we're in the underwear business but we're ultimately we're in the business of inspiring healthy choices we're in the business of you know promoting optimization and if you can make one choice, like, hey, you buy, you invest in a nice pair of underwear that's free of toxins, pesticides, insecticides, herbicides, all these chemicals that we don't realize are in clothing and textiles. If you're going to invest in that, you're more likely to carry that momentum into other areas of your life, right? You're more likely to try and eat healthy. You're more likely to prioritize your working out. And if it just starts with underwear, if we can be a domino that falls to kind of hit more dominoes, then I think we're doing our job. Dude, absolutely. And I just love that too, because a lot of the inspiration behind the brand, like I think for one, obviously like the branding and the marketing and everything, your ideas and and you questioning things like it just really resonates because I mean, you guys are really nailing it on the head, like across the board with the exact approach you're obviously looking to convey. And so what I really like what stands out to me so much is just the fact that you realize like, you know, you feeling fatigued, you feeling tired, you having these like health issues, you know, while they might be normal, you know, to society and to, you know, comparing yourself up against everybody else, like to you, it wasn't good enough. And I just think that it's so important for the listeners to realize that, that it's like, if you guys are feeling, if you guys aren't feeling your best, if you're not feeling optimal, if you're not feeling good most days, like we have to start questioning something like some variable, some piece of the equation, you know, is not there. And I just think it's so cool that you guys are taking that proactive approach with, you know, this, this organic underwear line, you know, to inspire a domino effect, like you said, because obviously like, you know, Chris and I, we see this a lot with coaching where it's like, we start with maybe the nutrition goal or the fitness goal. And then it steamrolls into my mindset. It steamrolls into my, my lifestyle. It steamrolls into my habits outside of my training. Before you know it, it's like this whole encompassing life change. And I think that that's, what's so cool about like, no matter what, you know, brand or company, like when you can take that holistic approach, like you really do start to understand, like we're in so much more control than we truly realize. Yeah. I love that too, because it works hand in hand with the episode we did recently too, about what's normal is not optimal. Right. And yeah, you nailed, you nailed it on the head. And I also love your guys' branding on Instagram, because I was talking to Zach about how like, you guys have that like memes and like a humor, it's very memorable. And I feel like not a lot of companies out there do that or go the holistic route. And if you think about it, like, we're told not to microwave our food in a plastic mm-hmm. container, but you sweating in the gym in a plastic container essentially <laughs> like is the exact same thing. But why is nobody, you know, solving yeah, that problem? It, you know? And it was really cool that you mentioned your friend Courtney, like she had a problem and she solved it. And that's entrepreneurship, like yeah. in a nutshell and for you guys to do that and just be so on board together and be best friends too. is just, so yeah. Cool and it's, it's definitely one of those things where you hit that nail on the head too, with just, it's about problem solving day in and day out. It's about problem solving. So, what I realized was that through my process or my journey as an individual, problem solving for Dan can help other people, right? So mm-hmm. I set out and have been what I call the guinea pig of my own life for 27 years now. And there's been a handful of things that I have always been able to help other people with. Like people have come to me and asked me questions on fitness, health, wellness, all this stuff, mindset even. And I started to think about how I could take that to the next level. And it's one of those things where, you know, we talked about a little bit before how I didn't realize it when I was younger, but, you know, having been, you know, a sports captain, having always been in leadership positions and kind of having been an influence to my immediate circle, always been kind of a leader, not a follower. I realized last year specifically that by not doing the things that help people and by just kind of operating in my own silo and thinking, well, it's just my life. I've got to just, you know, take care of myself and just make sure I get by. That was just as bad as harming somebody else by not giving my gifts and my abilities to 
other people, hopefully the masses, but even if it's just starting off very small, by not sharing with other people what I now know from trial and error, it's just as bad as probably harming someone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's doing people exactly. a disservice not to share your gift, which we always say with coaching is like a lot of people who we coach want to become entrepreneurs. And I'm like, if you have that passion, you have the knowledge, you're doing people a disservice in your life by not sharing That's that. That's spot on. Them. And there's so many parallels between what you guys do. And honestly, just from when I met Zach to now and having looked into the business and just what I mentioned when I talked to him recently that, you know, it's just a very trustworthy source with the way you guys approach everything, right? You guys are doing it in such mm-hmm. a holistic approach that you don't put you don't put you're disarming people before people even know they need to be disarmed and human instinct is to immediately put your defenses up no matter what it is right so you guys are just doing such a good job and it's been so inspiring and i've actually taken a lot of your approach and have kind of emulated some of it in our business structure but so i'm grateful for that but it's definitely kind of spot on with just like an all-encompassing thing where one domino falls the next fall and they kind of fall around in a circle right and then it just kind of keeps going like wildfire hopefully yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely, dude. Um, and we just in, in that, dude, I think that, you know, we all kind of have a moment like in that entrepreneurial journey where it really hits us like, you know, like kind of like, kind of like a very particular moment in time. And I know throughout this whole podcast, you've been able to like truly pinpoint like exact situations throughout your trajectory, like where you've experienced these different things. And so, you know, one question we did, we did have for you is like, was there a specific moment, you know, where you were like, this is time, like I'm ready to go, you know, all in on this business. That's tough. So I, I would think like there wasn't like a, a final domino that fell on its own. It was more so me pushing it down, right? So I finally was able to just mm-hmm. say, all right, enough is enough. I need to get serious. And what that looked like, it was a financial investment. I said, all right, we have these ideas. I've had so many ideas for businesses. I've taken ideas from zero to 25% right? And then they've died on the vine. And that's, you know, that's part of the journey. That's part of the process, right? You've got to go through that. But I've done that time and time again. And I was just thinking to myself, I said, you know what, those other business ideas, they're out there. It would just be doing something that other people are doing and hoping to do it better. It's not scalable. It's not cutting edge. It's not new. It's not funny. It's not memorable. It's just revenue producing to do business, right? So I always knew I wanted to do business. I always wanted to be in my own business. But I always knew I wanted to do something cool, funny, uh, cutting edge, and definitely memorable. And more importantly, something that I could put my own personal spin to, right? And I still absolutely have the immature side of me, uh, without a doubt. I try to get in touch with that in some ways and in, in healthy ways. And I think Nadge is a perfect example of that, right? We're trying to make talking about our reproductive system and our reproductive health more accepted, more prominent through humorous and almost immature ways, obviously given the name NADS, but with a very purpose-driven end goal, right? So I think that the Mm -hmm. final domino that enabled us to say, hey, this is not just an idea anymore, was I had reached out to some random company through a Google search that developed underwear, or like organic underwear, had really developed a conversation with them towards figuring out exactly the prices involved. And this was one of those things where we look back on it. It's like, how do you learn from your mistakes, well, then you, you make costly mistakes, right? So this was a, a very costly mistake, but we wouldn't have gotten to where we are without it. I think I spent $2,500 out of my own pocket on underwear development with this random company. And the moment that, that I submitted that bank transfer, it was on, right? From there, we couldn't go back. $2,500, grand scheme of things, whether it's a lot of money or a little bit of money, it's still an investment no matter which way you look at it, right? So then we were moving the ball forward. And once the ball started to move forward, we really started to pick up steam and we really realized that there is a massive opportunity here. And there's a big opportunity with business, but there's a more important op- opportunity on the line, which was to actually have an impact on men and then hopefully on women afterwards. But that's a the trajectory question. I'm sure that will come. <laughs> I love that. And I like that you guys are playing a long game too, because that's how we talk about our businesses and even fitness too. And you mentioned like you could have you know done something that other people were doing and just try to do it better. But that's like a, a quick fix right. essentially in like the fitness world. Yes, you could say like you're playing the long game. You wanted to start a business and invest in it for the long term. And this is something different. Something you can take, like you said, even like to the route of women, which is really cool. And obviously we go the sustainable route when it comes to business. Um, and so are you guys. But we want to hear a little bit about one of our main questions was like you in the health and fitness space. And now that I know like you were your yeah. own athlete and 
you optimize your health and fitness. We're just curious on like how you incorporate health and fitness in your life and optimize your health now with all the lessons that you've learned. And also you mentioned mindset. So I want to hear how you tie that in because that encompasses like everything life rewired is about. It's like how you optimize your health and fitness in the long game. Um, and also Okay. Fair warning. This is going to go in a hundred different directions. Just based on my, just based on the <laughs> way my brain want. works. And I realized that my brain works way differently than most people's. And it's just like, it doesn't ever turn off. I think that's like a trait of entrepreneurs, but um I started training when I was eight years old and my father had said, you know, we're going to put Matt, my older brother, into training, sports-specific improvement training uh, down in Stanford, Connecticut at a place called Blue Streak Sports Training. It's a really, really high-end athletic training gym for young, middle-aged, and older athletes. And I was probably the youngest one there by far because he said, you want to go train with them? I was like, yeah, let's do it, right? It sounds cool. Um, And I remember... It's sport-specific training, so you're literally catering your training to what sport and the outcome you're looking for. So Matt was trying to get better at baseball, so they were working him with him directly on improving techniques specifically to that. And I remember they asked him the question, like, what sport do you want to be training for? And then they came over to me and they asked me that question. They said, well, what's your favorite sport? And because they asked me that question, I was like, oh, it's just a conversation. I was like, oh, I love skiing. So we were like training for skiing, and I didn't realize it the whole time. I was playing, I don't want to say actual sports, not to knock skiing, but I was playing team sports where I needed to improve on. I had, you know, it was a couple thousand bucks of my dad's money spent developing on me as a skier. And I crack up about it because I ended up falling in love with that gym. And like from there forward, training has always been a part of my life. So I wasn't lifting weights at such a young age. It was more so, you know, all sorts of other type of training that wasn't developmentally stunting as we call it. And from there forward, it's just kind of been a huge, huge part of my identity. So I've been physically training since then, and that's taken all sorts of different shapes. Resistance training and weight training has always been at the crux of it. Uh, that's That really took shape at probably like age 13 or 14 when I was in high school, started to put on size, stopped playing football freshman year of high school because I was you know small. And then sophomore year came around, and I was just focusing on lacrosse, and I thought if I start lifting weights – you know, I'll probably become a little bit better at lacrosse if I start really getting into it, if I get stronger. I was always the puny little brother. I was always kind of the run to the group with my brother and his friends, getting beaten up and whatnot. So finally, I was like, all right, I'm questioning that. I'm turning this around. Uh, got really into training, put on some size, came out and played football senior year once I got, you know, got a little bit stronger and bigger. And from there, it was just kind of really, really hardwired into me. I crave the training. I need it mentally. Uh, it's like my release. They're, the way that I look at it is it's just a part of my life. It's as much a part of my life as brushing my teeth and taking a shower, right? It's just, it's there. I drink water, I train, I brush my teeth at night, I go to sleep, I get my work done, I train, it's part of my day, right? Every day, one way or another. And even like rest days, like that's part of the training, right? And like that's the hard part for, I'm sure you guys know, for people like us is when it's harder to take a rest day than it is to not take a rest day. But when you look at it as like that's part of the journey and it's only going to involve, uh, result in improvement, then it's a little bit easier to look at it that way. But in terms of now and how I view it, with the business taking a lot, a lot of time, um, rightfully so and like gladly, we I, I train probably five days a week and I probably do four or five five-mile walks per week. And the training is anywhere from 60 to 90 minutes and it's high-intensity interval type training. I get my heart rate up when I can. And then it's also very heavy resistance type training, right? Very similar to how you guys are training, obviously, based on me seeing the Instagrams and everything. But that has been such a pivotal part of my life because somebody recently asked me, would you say getting your mind right or the physical right has to happen first? And like that's a very loaded question. So I don't think you can get your mind right fully without having the physical involved. I don't think you can get the physical going without having your mind primed to get involved. But then once you just kind of kickstart one of these two pillars, then they build on each other. And it just becomes this like cycling effect. And then everything else comes with it. So I look at it as I would never be the person I am today and would never have taken the entrepreneurial jump. I would never be a good leader. Well, maybe I'm not a good leader. I would never be a leader, uh, always working to become better, of course. I would never be outspoken. I would never be trying to constantly optimize and improve without the training. Like it's just the backbone. I believe in kind of the primal nature of human beings and being really in touch with like, we need to be physical. Our bodies need it and we will not be optimal without it. 
So it helps clear the mind. It keeps me focused. It keeps me moving forward. It keeps me physically fit, which keeps me mentally sharp. And then it just kind of builds on that, right? So I think that it's just one of the pillars that is just an absolute non-negotiable. So I actually mentioned this yesterday. I was talking to somebody and I look at it like this, like in three months, I'm training. In six months, I'm training. In five years, I'm training. When I'm 70 years old, I'm still training one way or another. The training is going to take a totally different shape, of course. But no matter what happens, that's just who I am and it's a non-negotiable for right now. Like after this podcast, I'm going to the gym. Going to get it in, come back, get back on my computer, get some things done, spend some time with the family later on. But like that's just part of the day. It never takes a backseat to anything mm-hmm. else because I'm not the best version of myself without it. So I think like that's the summary. Man, and I just <laughs> yeah, and dude, I just absolutely love that because it is so pivotal to understand that when we have when we live in a, a world where it is so like destination focused and like microwave result focused, where it's like we just want to like get to this end destination, but we have this massive piece of that kind of understanding that is missed where it's like, well, what happens after? So great, you lose the weight or you, you know, chase that goal, you achieve it. Like, what about after? And like, that's kind of the approach that Chris and I are always taking with our clients where it's like, you know, this is not something that you just start and stop. It's something that, you know, we are going to be doing forever. And like, just like you said, Dan, like, it might look different. It might change. It might frequency might change. You might not go as much as you as you did in, when you were younger or previously. But it's a constant. It's a constant theme that's just always going to be a part of our life. And so, you know, I would just love to kind of hear what you would tell someone who you know might be on the fence where they're like, you know, they really keep like starting and stopping, starting and stopping. They see fitness as an end destination. Like, what advice would you give to an individual who is fighting against that? Who is really struggling to see this as a lifelong game and 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 seeing it more so as a destination. Like what would you what would you tell someone, you know, that living kind of with on that the, mindset? On the side of fitness and health, right? Yeah. So that's that's yeah. a great, great question. I would say that you need to find ways for yourself that make it a sustainable game. Right? Exercise is not a one size fits all approach. I do personally believe that resistance training can benefit every person on planet Earth. Right, And whether or not that's the reality is a different story, but that's my belief. So I do think that every person should incorporate that into their workout routine no matter what. Right, I think walking is just like the easiest way to get exercise and it's the easiest way to clear your mind and bring yourself down to earth and to get in touch with nature and to just kind of refocus and recalibrate. But I would say that if you're on the fence about it, just give it a go. Like Try it for a week. Don't look at it as, hey, I'm trying to upend everything and just become a workout guy, right? Like I'm not just trying to become a fitness enthusiast, a bodybuilder, a guru. Like just if we're talking to a guy named you know, Mark, I would say, hey, Mark, just go do a workout, right? Like go in there and intuitively do what you feel is best. Do it safely and be careful if you're going to be moving around weight, obviously. Like go work out with a trainer if you're not familiar with weight training. But even if it looked like you going and just taking a four-mile walk at your own pace, you know, a pace where you're actually – pushing it, but you're not crazy, crazy exerting yourself, right? And just see what you feel like afterwards. If you can call me immediately afterwards and we have a conversation, I guarantee you your endorphins are going to be through the roof and then you're going to crave that feeling again. And then if you do that four days out of the week, then you constantly have this cycle going and then it's like, okay, you started now. The hardest part is starting without a doubt of anything at all. No matter what it is, always going to be that hardest part is the unfamiliar of the kind of the unknown, like that vastness of the unknown. And sometimes working out is very intimidating because of the culture around it, right? People don't want to go to big commercialized gyms because they feel like they may be judged and ostracized based on not knowing what they're doing, right? So I would say probably go to a different gym if you're in a culture where that's the situation. Find a gym in your area that isn't a big bodybuilding gym where people are going to probably be judging other people. Like that's not the culture you want to be around in exercise and wellness because at the end of the day, it's all about betterment. And a lot of times the people in those gyms might not be in line with that mindset. They might be in it for the wrong reasons. And if you're in it for the reasons of health, longevity, improving yourself as an overall well-rounded human being, find a better community that you can get involved with. But I think the short answer to that question is you got to find what type of exercise and training works best for the individual. And you need to lean into that, right? So if you're playing pickleball an hour a week or an hour a day and you're getting a really good workout, like that's training, like you're exercising, you're taking care of yourself, right? If you like going and rock climbing for 45 minutes, three or four times a week, like go do that. Get in touch with what you actually like, but the only way to find out what you actually like is through trial and error, right? 
if you're fortunate, like, you know, Chris, Zach and myself, then we realize we love the, the resistance training, the high intensity type stuff, then lean into that. Right. But just figure it out one step at a time and don't look at it as I'm trying to do 10 things at once. Just look at it. I'm, I'm trying to do half of one thing right now. Don't even look at it as one thing. Just be like, I'm trying to take one step. Right. It's like the journey of 10,000 miles begins with a single step, right? Just one at a time. How do you eat an elephant and just one bite at a time, right? It's that Navy SEAL mantra. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> Dude, I love it, man. Um, no, this is amazing, Dan. I could, I seriously think I could ask you like 15 questions just off of the things that we said. But uh, we obviously want to be mindful of our time here, you know, with the listeners and with you too. And so, do we'd love to just hear, you know, kind of what your vision is for the NADS brand, for the company, um, and really where you yeah, see this Yeah, absolutely. Thing going. And I wanted to just preface everything, kind of like say it after the fact, but everything that I talk about and discuss is obviously just, I'm doing the best with the information I have at the moment, right? So four years ago, my answers would have been totally different. A year ago, my answers would have been totally different. So as long as we continue to consciously do our best with what we have, I think that's kind of like that destination, right? You mentioned the journey and the destination. If we attach happiness to an outcome or the destination, then we may never achieve it. But if you can consciously look yourself in the mirror at the end of the day and say, I did my best today and just worry about the day, like the individual day, then you're going to enjoy that, right? You're going to know. So I think that the actual destination is through consciously trying to do your best. So like a perfect example of this is me now taking this in a totally different tangent to the question asked, getting back to the NADS thing, um, where I think NADS is going to go, where we'd like it to go. Right now, we're starting with underwear because it's uh, a step in the right direction for men. It's an easy solution for some potential problems, and we can do it in a memorable, eye-catching way that you know will actually resonate with people who don't know about the, the, the issue at hand. So that's kind of the thought there. And then from there, what we'd like to do is expand into an entire active wear line, right? So there's a lot of companies out there that do just lifestyle clothing from organics. And like, they're awesome, awesome stuff, right? I'm wearing a shirt right now. Um, but there's not like, I, I don't have a good workout shirt to go to the gym in that doesn't have polyester or like at least isn't made entirely from polyester or isn't made from like uh, conventionally grown cotton. So we'd like to get into that space. So I think what we're probably going to be trying to do is underwear first and then we'll start to push into activewear with some t-shirts and some shorts maybe a thin hoodie thin long sleeve shirt type of deal that's flowing allows good movement and then from there we'll probably push into the female side of the business where we start to do sports bras ladies underwear and then eventually like the overall goal is to just have this be a health movement of sorts through apparel right so it's always going to be an education-based marketing approach and that comes with a different set of challenges in business as opposed to just being like, hey, we have great underwear, right? It's like, we have great underwear and here's why it matters to you. And you've got to break it down then step by step. And that's going to kind of be the case with hopefully less so once we've made a splash with the underwear, then the active wear will follow. But I think that's probably the trajectory. But it's one of those things where we don't really know what the destination is. And this may lead us mm -hmm. to something we never really thought about. And we embrace whatever comes our way. Absolutely, dude. And that's a mindset I think that every entrepreneur needs. Is like, yeah, we didn't expect to be here five years ago. And right. we talk about that on all of our, our fitness yeah. and business journey episodes. But yeah. you'll learn it as you you know go through the process. And that's what the whole process of being an entrepreneur is like. So I think our very last question was, what advice would you give to someone who wants to get into the entrepreneurial space themselves. Yeah, absolutely. I would say disregard almost everything that you've ever heard anybody say about how things should be. That's probably number one. Question it, right? The way that we obviously view the world, question everything. Think about your what you consider your solidified viewpoints on certain things and think about why you feel that way. Question your own internal thoughts. Like that's a huge part of get really into your own head about why you feel certain ways about certain things. And then question those and then you can kind of start to turn the wheels on it a little bit. But most importantly, this is kind of a personal anecdote. You know, I was never a great student. I, I probably had a 2.6, 2.7 GPA throughout high school and college. I did the bare minimum, skipped as many classes as I could. A lot of people, I remember I had a teacher in high school, who was a math teacher, who told me that, he kind of laughed at me, like literally actually did laugh at me, made fun of me in class, pretty much told me I was going to amount to nothing. And I was like, okay, that's fun. That's good. And 
like quite frankly, I'll never use those equations in that math class ever again, right? So like don't put too much emphasis on that. If you're worried about that, like just throw that out the window. At the end of the day, there's really two things that have led to I haven't had a lot of success just yet, but what I think will lead me to success is at least in starting even, it's a combination of two things. It's I can confidently say that no matter what it is, I can figure it out. I will go and figure it out, even if it's totally unfamiliar at the moment. And then the other thing is just like the ability to be just absolutely ferociously relentless. I will not stop. So if you can keep something fresh in your mind every day and you won't give up on it, go all in on that. So if you have an idea for a business and it takes up real estate in your head for a week, two weeks, three weeks, a couple months, and you won't stop, like that's, that's probably a sign that you should go in on it, right? If it's just an idea and you're like, that would be a good business model and you don't think about it again in a week, maybe you don't want to burn the boats and go in on that idea just yet. But if it's something that's really lingering up there and that you actually feel passionate about, you actually see that it maybe has some legs and trust your intuition on it, and make decisions based on your gut instinct. And then just don't accept anything else than what you're looking for, right? And that, that, I'd say that's probably it. Yeah, trust your yeah. gut. I love that. <laughs> no, that's amazing, man. It's so true. It's so true. Especially like if it's something you guys are constantly thinking about, like that's a sign. Trust your gut. Yeah. Right. And that's our motto here. <laughs> like we're wired. And we do want to give you guys a second to plug like all Nat's information too. Because anyone listening, obviously we put sure. everything in the show notes. But yeah, you guys are going to want these boxers, especially you guys out there. So definitely listen to what Dan's about to say on how you can get your hands on these. I have a pair. I absolutely love them. They're phenomenal, um, you know, for both lifestyle and for training. You know, in my eyes, it's, you know, one of the most comfortable boxers I've put on, especially for. <laughs> well, thank Nad. you for saying that, Zach. <laughs> yeah, so uh, our website is nadsunder.com. That's N-A-D-S-U-N-D-E-R.com. Uh, abbreviated for underwear, just to put that out there. Um, our Instagram is at nadsunder, and you can go on our website and our Instagram and kind of get plugged into the wellness community that we call it. You can subscribe to our emails, and we are always sending out content about reproductive health, um, why certain fabrics and certain materials are good and some aren't. And we're always dropping in funny jokes about men's nuts. That's never going to stop. That's always going to be in there. Uh, but yeah, we sell men's boxers and men's boxer briefs. Uh, our underwear is made using certified organic cotton that's free of insecticides, herbicides, pesticides, and a lot of other common conventional chemicals that are made in most garments that most people don't realize are actually in them, right? So the thought is that when you wear these garments, you are absorbing whatever is in them. And these chemicals usually don't come out in a typical wash cycle, right? So how do you avoid that problem altogether? Well, you make a garment that doesn't utilize those chemicals, right? So there's nothing that you need to worry about if it was never used. So that was kind of the whole premise behind the business. But yeah, you can you can get your pairs at nadsunder.com. Uh, if you aren't a boxer guy, try the boxers out. If you're like, I only wear boxer briefs. I don't like boxers. We're trying to reinvent boxers in a way, trying to make boxers better. Uh, they're made from really cool material and it's super comfortable. It's not like your typical thin, scratchy boxer. And then the boxer brief is a little bit of an extended leg fit. We have athletic backgrounds, so we designed it for a more optimal fit for kind of a universal client. And that means that we tried to get rid of the riding, the wedgies, you know, the constant adjusting, the picking, all that. I think we're, we're constantly iterating and trying to improve, but I think we did a pretty solid job of getting that to market on the first round. I think that if you, uh, you check them out, I really think you're going to like them. Love it. Yeah, we'll include all the links down below so you guys can get plugged in. And I love that you talk about how it's a wellness community and you guys have the educational you know, information in your newsletter too. So we'll be subscribing. And we appreciate you so much for being here. We could talk to you all day about all things fitness, business. So we know you have a fun weekend plan with the fam. So we appreciate you taking time out of your weekend to spend time with us and the Life Wired listeners. So if you guys could share this episode on your stories or share it with a friend, we appreciate it more than you know, and you guys can tag us. Our personal Instagrams are down below, Life or Wired Instagram. We'll put the Nads Instagram down below too. See you guys next week. Zach, Chris, thank you guys so much for having me.